0: Good morning, Dr. Dan Guerra here. Authentic Biochemistry Z podcast in the Inland Pacific Northwest. Today is the nineteenth of March, twenty twenty-two. We've been talking about dementia, type two diabetes, and white matter degradation, specifically sphingomyelinase-mediated fatty acid production and then utilization in ketogenesis for neuronal bioenergetics. And how that balance of the degradation of white matter, that is turnover of the sphingomyelin, and the increasing um, lack of production of myelin from astrocytes leads to an imbalance later in life that can lead to dementia. So we're talking about uh, 2021 paper, and I'm going to get right into that again and give you a lot more detail on it. So. I'll remind you that white matter undergoes this axonal degeneration via sphingomyelinase. And basically what the degeneration involves is demyelination uh, and it's associated with Alzheimer's disease. Now, you know that white matter, which is basically myelinated neuronal regions of the central nervous system, is absolutely important for the very rapid fire of neural transmission. And this is a process we call saltation, which is the movement of the electrochemical gradients that are associated with action potentials. And we know that oligodendrocytes, not neurons, are the cells which produce the sphingomyelin? So have the biosynthetic pathway starting with palmitoyl-CoA and L-serine, and then a, a collection of very long chain polyunsaturated fatty acyl-CoA's to synthesize their sphingolipids in the central nervous system. Not just for sphingomyelin, by the way, but also galactocerebrosides and sulfatides um, with these very long chain polyunsaturated fatty acids, with the omega-3 series in particular. And I talked to you about the fact that those fatty acids can oxidize readily, and also can be oxygenated by activities of cyclooxygenase and lipoxygenase. This leads to hydroxy and hydroperoxy fatty acids, and this these fatty acids often uh, acting as eicosanoids or docosanoids um, that is local hormones fatty acyl oxygenated local hormones can induce inflammatory responses once there is an involvement of the microglia, which can produce pro-inflammatory cytokines, chemokines, growth factors, and also, of course, uh, matrix metalloproteases, which further the degeneration of the white matter and contribute then to the Alzheimer's phenotype. So I also told you that the production of ketone bodies, which again, after beta oxidation of the fatty acids that are removed from the sphingomyelinase or from phospholipase C in the neuron or in the oligodendrocyte will lead to ketogenesis that's more specific to the oligodendrocyte because ketone utilization then is in the neuron, which is now going to be the uh, bioenergetic substrate for uh, transmission. And I want you now to understand a little bit more detail about the microanatomy. You have white matter fascicles, and those are actually a subgroup of the white matter where glucose metabolism plays a very important role in the limbic region of the brain. And these regions are the ones that become Degenerative during Alzheimer's disease. And one of the linkages there, in terms of pathobiochemistry, is what's known as glucose hypometabolism. So, this paper that we're looking at, published in Alzheimer's Dementia Translational Research and Clinical Interventions, published late in 2021, so not very long ago, um, was u- using money in the Benefic Trial and the benefit trial was specifically to analyze the bioenergetics of white matter degradation and late onset Alzheimer's disease, particularly prone to females for reasons I went over in the last lecture. So they were keying in on keto metabolism and white matter fascicles. And so that's one of the aims of this paper. The other one was just simply to see why or how glucose metabolism changes and switches to ketones, and whether or not ketones exogenously in the diet could contribute to an amelioration of the Alzheimer's disease deficits, including cognitive malfunctions and motor malfunctions. Now, you know, the white matter energy metabolism for this paper, as I mentioned last time, but I'm going to explain again, uh, was measured uh, with good uh, biochemical tools. They used positron emission tomography, and that means they were using C11, as acetoacetate, for the ketones and for glucose to do that kind of PET analysis. They were using, of course, 18F fluorodeoxyglucose, glucose, non metabolizable source. So they claim this is probably the first study that looked at ketogenic intervention and how it may affect white matter structure and energy metabolism in the aging human. So they were using a six month ketogenic medium chain length triacylglycerol supplement. Now, Reason for using medium chain link because the shorter the fatty acid, and particularly if it's simply saturated without any double bonds, it's going to make that particular supplement um, with much higher conversion to first of all lipase mediated fatty acyl CoAs, and then fatty acyl CoAs translocated in the mitochondria, and the mitochondria, and then going through beta oxidation, and then ultimately the ketone bodies generated. That's because short-chain fatty acids uh, don't require as many cycles of beta oxidation to make the acetyl-CoA, and secondarily, because there are no double bonds, so there is no extra um, movement of the double bond during the ultimate um, beta oxidation, which basically requires just an isomerization of that acyl chain. But that's that's a couple more steps in in the... reaction uh, for uh, ultimately beta oxidation, it could slow it down a little bit. Nothing in the brain can be slowed down because obviously you have to deal with rapid fire action potentials for nerve transmission. So they gave this supplement and they were asking whether or not that would improve the white matter uh, component, meaning it would decrease the amount of degeneration of sphingomyelin. And so that was one of the readouts they wanted to take a look at. And they weren't sure whether that was going to have an effect on glucose uptake, but they were going to look at that as well. Okay. So they're looking at this whole process um, and whether or not it's associated with this ketone body utilization in these white matter fascicles. And importantly, they wanted to look in the fornix because it's suggested that that's where ketones play a very significant role uh, in myelin integrity, particularly with mild cognitive uh, uh, decreases, right? So what is the fornix? I wanna explain to you what that is. So the fornix is a um, C-shaped bundle of white matter that is found in the mesial aspect of the cerebral hemispheres. It's below, directly below the corpus callosum. So the fornix is kind of like that structure of the limbic system that is the largest single pathway of the hippocampus. And it connects to all those other subcortical structures, of course, Uh, and this is the way the network is set up with the, the neural system, right? from the limbic system to the cortical regions. So the fornix actually originates from the hypocampal uh, structure, and that's in the mesial temporal lobe. And it stretches longitudinally into the diencephalon and then the basal forebrain. And that forms what looks like an arch over the thalamus, okay? So it's all part of the limbic system, the fornix is, and it's associated in terms of that the, that particular nucleus of the brain is is found to be associated with processing cognition because of its linkage to the cortex cortical region prefrontal cortex but also also memory consolidation so that is a sleep index association and of course because it's linked in the limbic system to affect and that means emotions and things like sexual responses okay so what are the key factors about the fornix before we move on with the paper? First of all, the parts of the fornix that you may hear about, anatomical regions, are the alveous, the fimbria, the crura, and of course the body of the fornix, and you also have columns of the fornix. This is the fine structure of that particular uh, central nervous system nucleus. The connections that the fornix has, I've already mentioned, is hippocampus to the mammillary bodies of the hypothalamus, okay? And the mammillary bodies are anterior nuclei of the thalamus. Most of you probably know that if you've had neuroanatomy. And the hippocampus, of course, uh, to the septal nuclei and the nucleus accumbens, okay? And again, functions of the fornix, cognition, memory, emotions, So now back to the paper. In mild mild, um, cognitive deficiencies, you get increased fiber density of the white matter. And that's specific to the posterior cingulum, which also tends to demonstrate a declining glucose utilization, okay? So with the ketogenic medium chain triacylglycerol diet, Ketone uptake actually showed an increase over six months in those fascicles, okay? And the fornix had the highest increase in mean ketone uptake post-intervention of the diet, which may be in part linked to its lower ketone and glucose uptake at baseline, because that's a very low, uh, both glucose and ketone uptake, because it's the fornix is not the other region of the brain that we normally talk about here. Um, for uh, the Alzheimer's involvement. So the increase in ketone availability, of course, because of the diet to the fornix can potentially be beneficial because it suggests that you can get a limitation of the early decline of the white matter structural integrity of those fascicles, uh, and particularly of the fornix during aging. And in fact, there was a 2.5-fold increase in ketone uptake that was also found in cortical regions, but that was not significantly different from that same increase in uptake that you found in the white matter. So clearly, if you look at mild cognitive impairment and white matter, it appears that consuming ketones will maintain that structural integrity. Okay, so that's one of the take-home message already from the paper that I want you to get. So let's do a little bit of discussion about cognition and, and uh, neurotransmission. In the KMCT tr- uh, group, now that is, again, the ketogenic medium-chain triglyceride diet group, you get a processing speed composite Z-score improvement, and that's in association with the increase directly with ketone uptick, according to the PET analyses, right? using C11 ketone bodies, particularly acetoacetate. And this was found in all the individual white matter fascicles, as well as in the bulk white matter as a whole. Now, what that means is that information processing, when you look at the composite Z-score, okay, it suggests that information processing is probably linked, and this is not Uh, surprising or heretical either, to the global structural connectivity that occurs in mild cognitive impairment. And it's not necessary to be associated with specific fascicles, okay? Just the whole bulk white matter fascicular subnuclear domains, right? So for specific cognitive tests, the strongest association with increased ketone in the diet, that, remember the K uh, MCT group was for the motor speed task, and also something called trail making test, and there was nearly a pure measurement of processing speed. That means neural transmission uh, at the subcortical and at the limbic level. So, a degeneration of myelin lipids does associate with aging. I already went through with you how that occurs and while it's, why it's probably protective to the central nervous system. And it's been proposed that, again, that demyelination provides fatty acids and then ultimately ketones, uh, which end up as ener- bioenergetics for the neurons. And again, that's, that's a paper we talked about way back in 2015, where I, where I got into this whole corpus of literature. So the processing speed of the central nervous system is directly linked to myelin integrity. We know that's why there are myelinated axons. And we know that that has to do with smooth conduction of the action potential. And we also know that that conduction is proportional to the thickness of the myelin sheath. The thicker the myelin sheath, the better the conductance, because that's what the, that's what the myelin sheath is there for. It's an insulator to electrical conductivity. It maintains a higher level of conductivity unless stray electron voltage uh, moving out of that neuronal axis, right, out of that axonal region. So, declining processing speed is actually a deficit that you see in MS, and it, and that of course is a disease that is the um, poster child for demyelination of the white matter. So this fits other pathobiochemical pathophysiological disorders. So the improved processing speed scores might be a consequence of the increased myelin density because of the ketogenic intervention. So again, you're taking in ketones in the diet that could spare the demyelination, the sphingomyelinase-mediated free fatty acid, then fatty acyl-CoA synthesis, and ultimate utilization and beta oxidation and ketogenesis because you're providing now that product. So there would need to be shown a mechanism of how sphingomyelinase activity was diminished. And that this paper didn't do that. This paper did not get into the details how the ketone bodies have a direct effect on the activity of either acidic or neutral Schmingle myelinase. We would need to do that to be able to actually show the correlation that they are sort of uh, hand-waving suggesting here, okay? So again, processing speed. They were more interested in the um, neuropathology than they were in the patho-biochemistry, you see. But process, and particularly lipid biochemistry, processing speed may have improved due to do what they're calling the increased intra mitochondrial production of ATP. That's just a fancy way of saying that the ketone bodies were used for bioenergetics, right? And all right, well, that could be, right? And what they're saying is that we know that the brain does use ketone bodies. And so this whole trial, this benefit trial, um, seemed to be positive, right? Remember, this is actually... Uh, a a government study to see whether or not just giving ketones, uh, ketone bodies, these medium chain triacylglycerol derived ketone bodies, because that's what's going to come from. You're not actually taking in ketones. You're taking in a medium chain triacylglycerol in a so-called ketogenic diet. And they're saying that this may be ameliorative for uh, late onset um, Alzheimer's disease. Okay. So again, you need to, you need to take this sort of with a, with a grain of salt, because we still don't know. We still don't know what the mechanism is. We do know that this fits a pattern of understanding of the biochemistry, right? That's all I'm saying at this particular point. Now, in contrast, because you might want to know, and of course you must know, because you're listening to research uh, papers being described here, in authentic biochemistry, When you take a look at the KMCT group, what does it look like in the placebo group? And it looks like there's almost an inverse association found between the white matter ketone uptake and processing speed between the placebo and the non-placebo, okay, the KMCTs. In fact, there was a slower processing speed in the placebo group, and they're saying it's attributable to disease progression over that six months, okay? Indeed, they tell you that white matter pathology... the mild uh, cognitive impairment the mci was associated directly with impaired processing speeds okay so there's nothing heretical there either they also tell us that there's no significant association between the ketone uptake by the fornix with memory but they say there was a strong correlation with the processing speed now they keep on reminding you of that right and they also talk about the microstructure of the Uh, fornix, and they're saying that maybe the fornix doesn't really involve the memory component of that um, sub-CNS nucleus that is associated with the processing speed, the myelination of those axons, and then the memory coefficient to the prefrontal cortex. Okay, again, that's hand-webbing because they're not measuring all of that. All they're saying is that processing speed is not necessarily uh, anatomically or physiologically linked with memory in older adults. And they're arguing that this is already sort of suggested in epileptics, okay? I didn't review those papers, but I'll take their word for it that they find that the fornix doesn't seem to be involved with memory in epileptics, and yet processing speed is. Okay, so that's an indirect way of trying to make that argument. They tell you the six-month KMCT supplement had no significant effect on the overall structure of white matter. Okay, that's kind of interesting. It means that it didn't actually decrease or increase the thickness, although they're claiming that in those fascicles of the white matter, which are nevertheless linked with the fornix, that they are finding a more steady a, a, a more consistent thickness, okay? So it's kind of interesting that they weren't able to find any uh, ultra-structural changes in the white matter. This is one year after. Well, with, uh, they did six months of the feeding, and then one year out, they didn't see any real effect on white matter. But they show that, as opposed to other fascicles, the fiber density of a particular region known as the posterior cingulum did increase in thickness, or mass, okay? So a very specific region there. And they say that supports something in neuroscience we call network failure. that's a theory which suggests that prodromal phase of Alzheimer's disease and other neurodegenerative disease, I might add, that the posterior default mode network, and that's essentially a key processing nucleus, starts compensating for declining function of other brain networks. And so it becomes overloaded and it starts to shift this processing load uh, bearing to other networks. And that results in an increased connectivity between the posterior default mode network and other hubs. So they're saying there's some division of labor here. And that might be why you don't see direct effects of ketone bodies on the overall white matter mass, okay? Because you're getting a distribution of labor uh, of, of, uh, of labor associated with neural trafficking, right? Action potential trafficking because of this theory of network failure response so that other networks then are tuned up when the networks that are associated with them and maybe nationally starting to degenerate uh, are compensated for by switching to other networks, okay? And this is all in the posterior default region. And that's the that's the network that we're talking about. So structural connectivity changes associated with cognitive decline could then follow um, something that is not a linear flow because they're not finding that in association with this increase in white matter, bulk mass, okay? So I'd say that's a good... Back of the envelope argument, a term I like to use sometimes, back of the envelope argument. Um, They're not actually demonstrating that, but these are theories, right? But they do show that there was a decline in glucose uptake over the six-month period, specifically in that posterior cingulate of the cingulum in both groups. Now, that's interesting. Now, in the KMCT group, the increase of ketone uptake and the decrease of glucose uptake and that one particular fascicular layer were not actually significantly correlated. So it could be the disease progression over six months maybe isn't linked to glucose uptake, at least in the posterior cingulate segment of the cingulum, okay? So this is sort of a counter argument that causes some problems to the theory because the argument is that as glucose levels Decrease because of poor signaling through the IGF-1, which happens during aging because of the lack of gene expression associated with epigenetic modifications, and the telomerase decreasing uh, activity, and therefore telomere shortening, and therefore alterations in gene expression, both at the canonical um, neurodegenerative level, but also at the canonical epigenetic level that you don't see what they were hoping to find probably was that glucose sparing was occurring here um, because of the utilization of the ketone bodies. And I don't know that they would necessarily have to make that argument because again, these are exogenously labeled C11 labeled fatty acids converting to ketone bodies and they're looking at the uh, F-deoxy glucose levels, right? The the PET scanning. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that these exogenously uh, organized carbon sources are going to function the same way as endogenous, right? Because you're taking in exogenous triacylglycerol. Now, my argument would be, well, what happens to regular triacylglycerol levels, right? Because those ones you're not measuring. And I think that that's an important thing to ask. So one more thing, posterior cingulate segment of the cingulum had the highest glucose uptake at baseline, so they're saying it's 62% higher than the total fornix, and they're saying that may make the region more vulnerable to declining energy anyway during aging, and that the increase in ketone uptake post-intervention was the lowest in that posterior cingulate segment of the cingulum, and that could make it more difficult for the ketones to compensate because they're already saying that the glucose uptake at baseline is already higher than the fornix. And this is why they're saying it may not be linked to mild cognitive impairment. Now, my argument there is that if that's the case, then aren't you specifying uh, a specific biochemical, phenomenological, bioenergetic alteration for those particular subcortical, um, subfornix? white matter structures that has yet to really been explained in the other literature. And I would say it is, but it could fall into that displacement network theory that they tend to be hanging on to. Okay. So um, there are some limitations of this study and there's a conclusion that I want to cover. I'm going to do it next time because we're already only about a minute out before uh, we need to close. And so I hope you got the idea what happened so far. They added in the diet, a ketogenic medium chain triacylglycerol that they monitor because it was labeled C11. And they, they were using PET type of tomography. And what they determined was that indeed the ketone bodies were taken up in that particular um, sub region that was linked to those white matter fascicles. And they did see some sparing, and then they saw all this tremendous positive effect on the speed of processing, you know, doing that model, right? Okay, but no effect on memory. So I think I covered what I wanted to say in terms of uh, the take-home message so far. Um, I'm gonna follow up with another lecture probably today or certainly Sunday, tomorrow. Um, This is Dr. Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry Podcast Studios, from the inland Pacific Northwest of the USA, on this the 19th of March 2022, which means it's St. Joseph's Day. So happy St. Joseph's Day from Dr. Dan Guerra. Bye for now.